listening to the Sermons Podcast for Ottawa Baptist Church. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. All right, well, kia ora church. Um, as Jordan said, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Harry. On a Sunday, you'll normally find me up there hanging with our awesome year seven and eights as I coordinate um, our intermediates ministry, iYouth. Um, but a little while back, um, I was asked if I wanted to come and preach this morning, and I thought about it for a bit, and I doubted a bit, but then I was like, no, this is actually a really cool opportunity. So I pondered over what I was going to speak about, um, and it took me a while because I was really drawing a blank. And so I came and I said, Lord, give me the message that you want me to preach on Sunday. Um, And nothing was really coming, but one day I was going, and I was driving, and I was listening to just a Christian podcast, and I heard this quote, and it instantly hit me, and I knew this was what I was going to bring this morning. Have we gotten into such a routine that we are missing the point? And as I said, that quote hit me immediately. It really stirred in me. Have we gotten into such a routine that we are missing the point? As Christians, are we in a space where we're going through the routines and the motions, but there's no activity behind our faith? And that's the question I have for today, is have we gotten into such a routine that we are missing the point? And so with this all in mind, um, the passage I felt we should read out of today was the latter half of James 1. And I really want to wrestle with this overarching theme of being doers and not just hearers. On the count of three, can I get everyone to repeat that with me so I know you've got it? Three, two, one. Of being doers, not just hearers. Awesome. So with it being summer shorts, we don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to Can we get straight into our Bibles if you have them with you? We're going to open in James 1, verse 19. And so we read, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So instantly, as we read this first passage, I think there's some key points that James is telling us to look at. He's saying, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And in a way, when I was reading this, I saw this verse sort of had some similarities to the Proverbs and sort of that wisdom that James is bringing and the patterns of how it's written. Because our humanness or our natural emotion as people doesn't always produce the righteousness that God has in store for us. And rather, in stepping back, slowing down, we are rather coming with a humility and a righteous attitude towards others. So James is saying, slow down and listen. But that isn't necessarily easy, as I'm sure we all know. We get into the stresses of life, the things that come up, and it's easy to go into our natural humanness immediately. And as we continue into verse 21, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And so hearing this on the backing of verse 19 and 20, we can sort of see how James is tying it together. He's saying, slow down, be careful with your words, listen, and we are therefore laying aside all filthiness and wickedness. But as we just said, that's difficult, and it's hard to put that into perspective of how it would look. But the point of it is that it becomes this active choice that we are deciding to choose righteousness and a pursuit instead of what naturally comes to us. So I'm going to demonstrate this since we've got all the family in the room. And can I have my two volunteers that I asked to come up and give me a hand? 
Give a round. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to use this vase over here as our explanation. And we're going to look at this as us, right? This is a nice, it's a beautiful, it's clear, we can appreciate the beauty that it holds, right? And we're looking at that and we're saying, look, this is demonstrating us. And at first, there may be one thing that slips up, and this is just a little thing. You guys are welcome to do your part. <laughs> and it doesn't look much different, right, at the start. This is still this vase, but as it continues, and things continue to add and continue to build up, whether that's gossip, impatience, anger, these little impurities here and there, when we're choosing this over our pursuit, we can see how very quickly it begins to fill up more and more and more until a point where the vase doesn't look the same as when it started. Now we see it, and it's still this vase. It still holds the same value and beauty that we saw originally, but we can tell by looking at it that it's different now, right? It's got these things inside that are built up and that are changing it. But what James is saying is saying it doesn't have to stay this way because he's been giving us this call, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. Let's hope this doesn't go everywhere. And so as we start to do this and we make that active decision, at first it might not look like much is changing, right? The vase still looks the same. We can see a little bit at the bottom, but realistically, not a lot looks like it's changing. But as this becomes an attitude and a part of our life, and we continue to receive this word and not just, and not just see it, but actively apply it, it start, we start to change. This is why we've got helpers. And now we get to this point where we're not necessarily perfect, right? We can see that this thing's not perfect still. But from the inside, there's a change that has actively been made when we are choosing to lay aside those things, lay aside our humanness, and instead act in a way that is taking the word and receiving it with a want to be taught by it. And there's a change, right? This vase, for the most part, looks like how we saw it originally because there's that active decision to receive the word with a meekness and a teachability. Can we give a round of applause for our awesome volunteers? You guys can grab a chocolate from Zahn over there. So our quickness to speak, our slowness to listen, it can produce, our humanness produces these impurities, but instead James is saying, lay this down and receive with a sense of humility and teachability, but what he's saying is receive with meekness. And that's that key word. And I think, yeah, I highlighted it there. When we're looking at meekness, we're looking at it, you are receiving it with a humility. You're receiving it with a teachability, a want to be shaped by it. There's a humbleness to it. And so what James is saying as a whole, is he's saying, put aside the unrighteous and the wicked and allow your hearts to be humble and to receive the word that has the power to save your souls. And as we see in this demonstration, it will actively change you. 
And as I was writing this, I got to this point and I almost felt like I could end it there because there is so much power in those first couple of verses. But what James does here is he lays the groundwork for the rest of what's to come. And so as we continue to read now from verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone, that being any person who is hearing the teachings of God, is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. And so as we saw earlier, James is saying essentially, have a heart posture that is humble and that is teachable, and that we would receive this word with meekness. And so with that in mind, James is not saying, don't be hearers, right, in that verse. He's saying, go, hear the word, read the word, preach the word. That's why we get up here and we say it. There's a great importance to hearing it. But what he's saying in there is how we receive this is just as important, that we're allowing it to shape us and not just go in one ear and go out the other, essentially. So I want to repeat from verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. And this one will be blessed in what he does. So being simply a hearer of the word is not enough alone. It has to actively translate into our lives, and we need to be doers of the word, just as we hear it. And those words are going to start to sound funny with how much we're saying them. But ultimately, Jesus isn't looking for fans. He's not looking for people who come and they hear and they do nothing about what they're seeing. He's looking for disciples, people who hear the word and go forth and allow it to shape their lives. And so that's why I felt this passage really um, alluded back to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount at the end of Matthew chapter 7. From verse 26, But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And great was its fall. So in order for our foundation to be strong, we have to take what we are hearing and use it. And that's what Jesus is saying, and it's the same as what James is saying. When those storms come, so to speak, or those things that come and shake up our faith, how can you be firm in your foundation if you're not taking what you're hearing and applying it and making it a part of your everyday? Here's a story. So when I was young, my dad built these planter boxes. And there are these big planter boxes, and he built them for my mom to grow some vegetables in. And so I saw this, and I decided, yep, I'm going to build one for myself. So I, I went, and I whacked this thing together, and I grabbed some timber and the nails I found lying around, and I whacked it, and I came away with this beautiful piece of craftsmanship that might have topped what Dad built. <laughs> As is pretty obvious from up here. And obviously, I'm kidding there. Like, Dad built this beautiful thing. I built this rigid sort of box. But the point of it 
was so that I could grow some vegetables in it like I'd seen with mums flowering stuff and yeah. <laughs> so I went and I said to mum, I said, look, I need some advice. How do, I, how do I grow these vegetables? And she said, look, it's the simple things. You've got to make sure you water it. You've got to make sure um, it's got some good soil and that it sees the sun and that you take the weeds out. And I came, I just said, yup. And I left it at that. And so I went and I went down to my box with the pack of seeds and I ripped it open and I put it in there and then I left. And so some time passed, weeks and probably months at this point, because I'd completely forgotten about it. And I went and I checked on it and there was nothing in there and I, I, I dug deep down. I was like, oh, there is a plant. And I was like, oh, it doesn't look like a tomato. And so I went to mum and asked these things and she said, well, did you water it? Did, did you give it good soil? Did you let it see the sun? Did you take the weeds out? And I was like, oh, well, clearly the weeds weren't out. But the point behind this was that there was no action behind what I had heard. I had been taught and I had been told, but I didn't go. I didn't water them. I didn't take the weeds out. I didn't give it what it needed. So just as James and as Jesus are saying in these passages, a person who hears the teaching but does nothing with it, their foundation will fail. Just as my garden didn't grow, how can we expect anything to change? How can our foundations go? How can our faith further flourish and grow if we're hearing on a Sunday or reading in the morning and nothing is coming in? Because that's what I want to challenge. Have we become a whole culture of Christianity that comes on a Sunday and hears the word, arrive at 10 a.m., out by 11, and there's no taking that in? We hear what's being preached, and we go forth, and there's no application. Or in the same way, I challenge even our quiet time, which is supposed to be that diligent time we put aside so that we can have some time with the Lord and further build our faith. Does that even become a chore? That we wake up, we have our 15 minutes, we read, but there's no taking in of anything. We do it because it's what we've always done or it's what we have to do, but we don't read with the intention of being a hearer of what we're reading and going forth and doing it, but rather we do it because we have to. And it becomes a matter of chore and we get, as we said at the start, into such a routine that we miss the point altogether. And that's where this challenge lies for me, and that's where this really hit me. Have we gotten into such a routine that we are missing the point? Have we gotten to a point where church, or our time with God, Christianity, becomes completely religious and no relationship? As James said, we are given the implanted word that is able to save our souls. And there's so much power in that. But are we actively doing that? Are we taking that word? Are we laying aside the things of old and actually allowing it to shape us and change us? Verse 26 to 27. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So you see, with all that backbone, we see James is giving us this example of someone who cannot control their tongue, right? 
And I think it's cool because it sort of links back to the verses earlier when we're talking about our quickness to speak and our slowness to listen when we want to be the opposite of that. But what he's saying here is a person who fails to control his tongue and deceives his heart, their religion becomes useless. And I think if we look at this idea as a whole, to hear, to know what we're supposed to do and not to go forth and do it, does that make this religion useless? And as soon as I got to that point of writing it, I had to just stop because there's so much heaviness to that, right? That a Christianity where we are hearing but not doing becomes useless. Our foundation is not even there. It's like the man who built on the sand as we saw. And I think that is so heavy to look at. But I don't think it has to stay like that. Because as we said, we are given the implanted word so that it may shape us and so that we can live righteously in a pursuit of God. There can be a change, but we have to allow it to become more than a chore. And I go back to this vase. We have to allow it to become more than a chore. With the vase we saw, it was nice, and when things were added, it could become overwhelming, and it looks like a lot and a big burden, But as soon as we made that active decision to change something, to take what we were hearing, to receive the word with a meekness and a teachability and to apply it, there was a change. And obviously, as we see, it's not perfect, but there's a visible difference between when we're hearing and not doing versus when we are actively doing it. We talk as Christians about this idea, gospel transformation. An idea of hearing the word, reading the scriptures, learning, and actively applying it to our lives. Not allowing it to go in one ear, go out the other, but rather allowing it to seep into our heart. And when I was getting near the end of this, this was what struck me is, what would it look like for a church body here of 300-ish of us in the room, if everyone took what they hear, took what they read, and actively applied it? actively made a change, allowed it to translate into our lives. How different would this community look, both as individuals and as a whole? And even further than that, how would it look seeping out into our wider community around us? To be a people who built a strong foundation on what they were learning, because they were applying it. And I looked at it even further, at a world where two and a half billion people call themselves a Christian, How would it look for that two and a half billion, not just to call themselves a Christian, but to read the word, to hear the word, and to go and to do it? How different would the world look, right? You can just imagine that. There would be an active difference, because we would be transformed by the gospel. It would be a gospel transformation. And that's what my challenge is is let's be a people that haven't gotten into such a routine that we are missing the point, that we're not just hearers, but we are actively being doers, that we aren't like that garden where you could spot a couple of weeds but nothing else was flourishing, but that when we hear the teachings, we take them and we go and we apply them and we make them a part of our lives going forth. What does it look like to be a gospel-transformed community? that haven't got into such a routine that they are missing the point.
And that's my challenge to you today, church, as you go forth, think on these things and go, how can I actively apply this? How can I apply what I'm hearing when I come every Sunday? How can I apply what I'm reading every morning? How can we become gospel transformed, both as individuals in our own heart and as a community together? So I'm going to pray and I'll invite the band up as we go. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to come and to share the word. Lord, as we go forth, I pray that this will become a community that is transformed by the gospel. Lord, as we've seen, when we hear and we do not do, we cannot further flourish. But when we do what you are calling us to do, a foundation is built that changes us. And I pray that this will be a community that embodies that going forward. I want to pray a blessing over this church as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out our sermons podcast today. For more information on Ottawa Baptist Church, please visit our website at www.ottawabaptist.com.